tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, Episode 3. Do you have trouble making decisions? Do you feel like you suffer from chronic hesitation? Or perhaps you're going through a period of decision fatigue and you just can't decide what to do. Well, today's guest offers a fresh way of practicing familiar but often forgotten advice. Simply do the next right thing. Emily P. Freeman is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Simply Tuesday and A Million Little Ways. She's also the host of the Next Right Thing podcast, where she helps create space for the soul to breathe and offers fresh perspective on the sacredness of our inner life with God. Hey there, Emily. I am so happy to have you in the living room with us today. Oh, it's so fun to be here with you, Joanna. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, it's been quite a few years since I last chatted with you. Uh, It was around your book, Grace for the Good Girl, and I loved it so much. So we're going to be sure and link that in the show notes because I want them to hear that amazing interview as well. But I am super excited about what we're going to talk today. It's your new book, The Next Right Thing. But what I'm excited about, it is it comes out of a podcast that I have absolutely fallen in love with. Emily is the host of The Next Right Thing podcast. Listen, you guys, it has 2.2 million downloads in the past year and a half. That is crazy, girl. Well, it's been fun. It's been really fun. I'm glad to know it's connecting with people. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, what was it that inspired you to start the podcast? And why do you think it struck such a chord with people? Well, I'll tell you what, I I didn't really set out to start a podcast. I actually was trying to write a book. I thought I was going <laughs> to be writing a book about decision making because honestly, it started with I had a decision to make and it was kind of taking up all of my brain space. And I was paying attention to every little thing happening in my life that could point me one way or the other. And so even though the decision felt like a big deal at the time, um, what I actually ended up noticing was the effect the decision was having on my inner life. And I realized, Mm. wow, unmade decisions hold a lot of power. They hold our attention. They keep us paying attention to things that maybe we would have ignored. So I started taking notes on that process and I thought it was going to be my next book, which eventually, you know, spoiler alert, it becomes a book. (laughs) But at the time, as I was trying to outline it the way that I had done my previous books, because this would have been my fifth one, it just wasn't coming out the way that I, you know, thought the way that my other ones had. It wasn't really feeling right. And I, I, I've realized I was sort of trying to fit this idea into the packaging that I understood, which is book writing. Um, but when I started to explore other ways of delivering this message, because oftentimes we have a gift, but we're just trying to force it in the wrong wrapping. And so rather than putting it in a, you know, the wrapping of a book, I started to realize, oh, I think this would fit really well as a podcast. And I thought that's all it would ever be is just a, a spoken um, offering a podcast, you know, 10 minute episodes, uh, 10 minute episodes every week. And so that's what I did. I thought, well, I love this concept. I love the idea, but it doesn't really have a beginning, middle, and end like a book. It's more something I just want to explore and talk through. And um, so that's what I did. And I thought, you know, I've got maybe eight to 10 episodes in me and I'll start that and I'll just see if it resonates. If nothing else, it'll be a fun project for me to maybe figure something out. Maybe I'll, it'll help me figure out if I want to write about this later. And 
I discovered two things. One is I loved the medium of podcasting. I loved using my voice in a different way. And the second thing I learned was that people, um, I think they were, I think it was a good time. It was a nice moment in the podcasting world to have a short um, type of podcast that people could sort of consume on a quick commute um, that served as maybe a speed bump in the midst of a busy life. So I've loved it. It's been really fun. And and I feel like I've been able to connect with um, a lot of fun, a lot of readers in a different kind of way. Now they're listeners. And so that's fun. And also I feel like I've been able to meet other podcasters. I've discovered that podcasters are a really fun, lovely group of people. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, you have the most wonderful voice for it. Um, I, I listen as I'm driving around and it's so calming. And you know, one of the things that you say is that you want to give people a space to breathe and you really you really do that. Um, you cite a statistic that we make 35,000 decisions a day. Oh, my word. I thought my mind was busy, but <laughs> you've kind of explained it. Do you think that's why it's resonating with people so much? I think it is. You know, most of those decisions that we make every day are second nature. We don't really have to think about them, but I'm here for the ones that aren't. And I think the ones that aren't automatic, the ones where we're having to decide sometimes between two not so great things or two really great things, sometimes we just need a little bit outside encouragement to take a little time to name the unnamed things and to um, just simply do our next right thing. And yeah, I do think that's why. I, I think I think that's why it's resonated and um, why I hope it continues to resonate, but is that we are fairly overwhelmed with our schedules in many ways. And I think a lot of us, me included in some, in some cases, haven't learned the difference between being busy on the outside and not letting the busy seep into our souls and causing us to be hurried on the inside. And so because we feel hurried on the inside, it's difficult when a decision comes our way to discern what we really long for and, and what might be best. And so I hope that those 10, 15 minute episodes, I hope that these short chapters in a book can just be one more way to help clear the clutter and allow um, people to simply do their next right thing in love. I love that so much. One of the reasons why I'm super excited about this book is it really is a companion um, to decision-making. It's short chapters. And then at the end of each chapter, you have a prayer and a really practical exercise. Can you talk about that? You know, that came from the, from the way that I'm um, realizing works well in the podcast is to share a story and then offer a short prayer and then maybe just one next right thing to do. And, you know, Something that I learned from, I think it's John Ortberg in one of his books, it could have been Soul Keeping, um, where he talked about anything can be a spiritual practice if we bring the presence of God with us into it. And so that means that not only prayer and Bible reading um, and silence and solitude and fasting and um can be spiritual disciplines, which they very much are, but also something like taking a walk or um, admitting I'm a beginner or wearing clothes that fit me because they remind me that I'm a whole person and my the comfort in my body actually can translate to um, feeling like myself on the inside. And so some of these things sound kind of dumb if you call them spiritual disciplines, but I do think if we do them with God by our side, 
they absolutely can be spiritual disciplines. And so that's why some of these practices are will be very familiar to people. And then other ones might be something new that we could try that could help shake things up a little bit, not in a small way, not in a scary way, um, but just to to think about decision-making and having a decision-making lifestyle that supports soulful decisions um, by practicing some of these small little things that could, you know, they, they're a tiny change today, but if you look six months down the road, it could, we could end up in a very different place if we do some of these simple practices. I love that. I think the thing that's so beautiful too, is you just continually encourage us to invite God into the decision-making process. Yes. I think a lot of times we think it's all up to us and we forget that we have this God who wants to give us the wisdom we need. Um, as I was l- thinking about those decisions, I was reminded of my daughter, Jessica. And when she was um, small, a little girl, I, w- I would drop her and her brother off at um, our local candy store while I'd kind of go to stores nearby. And I'd give them each 50 cents. And when it comes kind of coming back down to this whole idea of making decisions, John Michael, man, he would have his his candy chosen, paid for, and eaten. <laughs> and Jessica, an hour later, would still be wandering around the the store, this old-fashioned candy store, just trying to make up her mind because there were so many choices. And, yeah. and and even even now as an adult, she and I were just talking the other day that she, she'll still find herself um, slow to make choices because there's so many options. But then even when she does make a choice, second guessing herself. Yeah. How, what, how, what is that? And, and how can we overcome that? Well, it's, I'm glad you bring that up because I think there's a whole group of people who don't ever consider second guessing themselves. Like to them, it's like, I make the decision. I never think about it again. And to (laughs) you, I want to say, God bless you. (laughs) And we are so envious of you, but there are a whole nother group of us who really struggle and who might feel chronically hesitant. And we constantly second guess um, some of those decisions that we make, even the small ones. And honestly, it's usually in the small ones that kind of make us crazy because we feel so silly for having something like what to order at the restaurant or what to, you know, to actually trip us up to the degree that it often does. Um, and so I, I think it kind of comes back and to back way up. I think some of that comes from our, and I, I some of that comes from our view of God is even though I know that um, we might never say it, I think a lot of us think that there is a secret, exactly right choice. And mm. there is an another exactly wrong choice. And God knows which one is which. And maybe he is a cosmic trickster waiting to see if I'm going to pick the right one. And we wouldn't say it like that. And if you were to ask me if I thought that was true, I'd be like, absolutely not. God loves me. But when it comes to how we actually live our lives and what we secretly think on the inside, I think one of, one of the most common things, and I've asked this on Instagram and a lot of my um, people who I'm engaged with on Instagram have answered this question when I ask, what's the most difficult part of making decisions? And the number one without question answer was, I'm afraid I'm going to make the wrong one. Mm. And that's where the regret and second guessing come from is that once we've made it, we're afraid we just made the wrong one. And I do think that a lot of times that stems back to our view of God. Dallas Willard says, never believe anything bad about God. And A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing about anyone is what they believe about God. And so I, I do think there is a connection between what we believe about God and our ability to make decisions with confidence, 
even if we make the wrong one. And I would venture to say sometimes the wrong decision is just a wrong decision. It doesn't mean we're wrong. It doesn't mean we have failed. It doesn't mean um, that we're failures. It doesn't say anything about identity. It only speaks to our circumstance and situation. And I think when we start to get our heads around the difference, some of that second guessing might fall to the wayside. I love that. You know, I was it just brings to mind even all through scripture, you've got these people called by God, set apart by God, and yet they keep messing up, and yet that doesn't thwart God's purposes in their lives. Yes, that's right. And that's so comforting to me that that and especially if my heart is after the Lord, if I really do want to do the right next thing, um then he can even take those missteps. And I can look back at my own life and see where he's used all of it. He's used all of it if we'll just put it in his hands. Well, when it comes to making decisions, I think one of the, you know, sometimes we're like, well, you know, I should just be able to make decisions on my own. But then there are those big ones where, you know, they're kind of life-changing. They're they're pivotal decisions. And we really need we really need to know what God thinks. And, and I think you make such an important point that we've got to also, in order to make those right decisions, we've got to have a right view of God. I'm so glad you brought that up. But I loved the chapter on Don't Rush Clarity, where you just talked about um, the, the questions that often come up where we're so afraid that we're going to miss it or mess it up and and where where we need to hear from God, but we really aren't sure how to do that. And I loved how you kind of just unpacked um, the ways that God speaks and how we can tune our heart to hear Him. Would you talk about that a little bit? I think sometimes God speaks in such a regular way that it's almost too normal to point out. <laughs> and yeah. often I think He uses our own voice in our heads um, to do that. And and so sometimes I think we're looking for clues outside of ourselves for clarity and peace and direction, when in fact, when we get quiet and um, spend a little time, we actually discover some of those answers are within us as we put ourselves in God's presence, that we might think that we're waiting for something on the outside. For example, I think a lot of times we are waiting for peace and clarity before we move, when in fact, Marie Forleo is a, a business coach and an entrepreneur, and maybe you've heard of her. She's has is, has a real great presence in the online space, and she talks about clear. She says clarity cannot be rushed, and that was such a great thing for me to hold on to in a certain time in my life where I found it because I thought, oh man, that's that's what I when I'm trying to make a decision, I'm trying to rush to clarity. But the truth is, sometimes um, the reason why I want to make a decision quickly is not because the decision actually needs to be made yet. It's just because I'm more comfortable when the decision is behind me. But mm -hmm. I think it's important. Oftentimes, it's important to really let go of our timeline. If there's not a deadline to this decision, don't create one where there isn't one needed. Um, sometimes there are decisions we have to make because of a deadline and we have to move ready or not. Um, but because clarity is something that that we can't rush, sometimes we'll, we'll be invited to either wait um, or we might be invited to move before the clarity comes, which feels very scary in some ways. But I think we have to let go of our expectation of certainty and embrace um, a more of a spirit of confidence in God that even though I may feel uncertain, I can have confidence that God is with me and that He is 
going to be with me no matter what I choose, left or right, this or that. Um, and so I think that is an important thing for me to remember when I'm waiting for clarity. And instead, he's saying, you might get clarity, you might not, but I want you to go ahead and do the next right thing. I love that so much. You talked about so many times we want black and white answers. And I remember as a young Christian, I I thought that hearing God's voice was going to be this audible voice, you know, or it was going to be written in the clouds, or it was going to be something tangible. And so I came to the conclusion, even as a young youth pastor's wife, that I didn't hear the voice of God. And I kind of got offended when other people said they other people said that they did. I was like, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. And I, I liked how you talked about sometimes there is a real clear sense, but you said rather than looking for black and white, that that it's wise to look for arrows. I found that really, really thought-provoking. What does that look like in your life? My husband, John, and I went through a season where we were desperately looking for some vocational answers when he was leaving his he, – my husband was also a youth pastor, so we spent 12 years in youth ministry. Um, but there was a period where he felt like he was being called out of that but wasn't sure what he's being called into. And so we prayed for answers. We prayed for clarity. We prayed for peace and direction and all the things, which is all very good things to pray for and to long for. Um, but in our conversations and prayer and all the things – we just never really saw what the you know big picture was going to be, um, but we did. Rather than answers, we did start to sense some arrows, and I think those arrows at the time, the biggest arrow that we um, discerned from God was just one pointing back and forth from Him to me to each other, and we really felt God calling us to. Um, pray together, to spend some time together in conversation, to be honest about some things we longed for and things we were afraid of. And that period of time is about a year or year and a half where that was really our only answer. Our answer was an arrow to the other person. And it was, I didn't love it at the time. Um, but looking back, I can discern how important that was because um, those arrows eventually did lead to our our next, next, next right thing. But we didn't know that at the time. And I tell you what, that was also a time when I learned that uh, the decision, the vocational decision, that really wasn't the point. The point was us um, learning to become fully ourselves in the presence of God and one another and to trust Him with our next right step, no matter what it is. Mm, beautiful. Beautiful. You know, throughout the book and on your podcast, you use the phrase, do the next right thing in love. And I was just wondering, how is doing the next right thing in love different from just simply doing the next right thing? Well, that's a great question. And in fact, doing the next thing in love is a phrase Brennan Manning said in one of his books. And he talked about that if he had his whole life to do over again, he would. He said, and I'll get the quote wrong because I'm not reading it, but he said something like, he would not spend one more minute worrying about his own spiritual growth. And I'm like, what? That doesn't seem right. <laughs> but then he went on to say he would... Um, go barefoot earlier in spring. He would spend, stay out later in the summer. And he talked about all these life-giving things that he would do more of. And he ended that paragraph by saying, I would, I would simply do the next thing in love. And mm -hmm. I thought that was really profound. And this was years ago. It might've been in the furious longing of God where he, he said that, but, and then the phrase do the next right thing, which is similar to that, but minus the love part. Um, 
That's been meaningful to me for years because of a poem that Elizabeth Elliott used to read on her Gateway to Joy radio show that I used to listen to when I was in college. And she would quote the poem as anonymous, but it's actually written by a woman um, named Mrs. Paul. And she, I mean, it's been over a hundred years that she wrote this poem and it's called Do the Next Thing. Um, And so this whole idea of doing the next thing, doing the next right thing, doing the next right thing in love. Um, I've sort of combined all these different phrases into one lovely, beautiful one, if you ask me, um, just because I think doing doing the right thing feels kind of intimidating, may, maybe moralistic a little bit, like, well, just do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that can almost feel like a little too much pressure. But when you add that word next to it, then it keeps it, it keeps me in the moment. It keeps me right here where I live. And then when you add the love on the end, well, that puts it all in perspective. That couches it all in relational interaction that brings me into the presence of God, that reminds me to think of what's best for my people, for my well-being. And so I think all of those different concepts together play really well for me personally at the season of my life to where that phrase, all those words next, right, and in, and in love, um, sort of couch it in all the, all the ways that feel the best for me <laughs> uh, right now. And so I, th- I think it, it hits all the points of importance when it comes to making decisions. Yeah, that is so, so good. So, so good. Well, you know, I've called uh, this my new podcast, The Living Room, and it kind of comes out of my whole Mary and Martha history and, and Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and, and just in, in the presence of the Lord, in the living room with Him. And I just wanted, as we close, I'd love just a, a little peek at what does your time alone with God look like? And and when you when it comes to really connecting with him in a deeper way, do you have a particular spiritual love language that he seems to communicate with you best in? You know, that's a interesting question actually. It's it feels really personal. And so, you know, I think that there are are lots of different ways and it's been different over my life. And I think it's been important for me to pay attention to what feels life-giving. And when I say that, I mean, what draws me closer to God's presence? And then what are those things in my life that sort of push me away from His presence? And there are things, you know, and paying attention to those. But I would say, honestly, not to get too meta about it, but one of the things lately um, for me personally is is planning out these podcast episodes because um, I don't, I'm not able to plan them super far in advance. And so, there's been a real act of trust for me with him to discern what is the next topic, what to say and how to say it in a way that will resonate with a listener where he or she might be today. And again, there are more people than, you know, I can't know where people are, but God knows. And so I have found it's a, it's a, it's a very mysterious thing in some ways to even try to explain, but I've found that to be a spiritual practice that is drawing me closer to him. It's, it's in my work, you know, right now. That's been a big, a big um, encouragement, a challenge sometimes, because sometimes it feels like a lot of pressure, you know, but he always reminds me and brings me back to um, we're doing this together. And so that's always been, that's been a gift. Oh, you know, I think I'd have to agree with that, that right now that probably it, it's in this writing my new book and and just the struggle that it happens to be for me, that's my journey. It makes me so dependent on him. And yet in that dependence, there comes such a sweet, 
a sweet intimacy and appreciation for him that um, that I don't know that if I was just doing my quiet time and doing my Bible study or listening to praise music, I, boy, I guess maybe for me at least, it's like on my face, I need to hear from you, Lord. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It gives it arms and legs a little bit. It really, really does. Oh, this has been so sweet, Emily. I, I just appreciate you being with us. Um, where can people find you online and learn more about your book and podcast? Sure. Well, the uh, the book you can find anywhere books are sold, and you can check it out at nextrightthingbook.com. And I am Emily P. Freeman everywhere. So on Instagram, Twitter, uh, my website is Emily P. Freeman. And so that's where you can pretty much find everything you need as it pertains to me and the podcast and the book. Oh, I love it so much. Hey, as we close, would you just say a short prayer um, just for that girl out there that's really confused? Uh, maybe she's got some big decisions to make, or maybe she's just feeling terribly stuck and she knows what she needs to do, but she just feels helpless to do it. Um, where, wherever they're at, I just I know that God wants to meet them there. Would you, would you just pray a prayer blessing over them? Sure thing. Father, thank you for every ear and every heart that's listening. I pray that she would remember the point is not a decision, a plan, or clarity. The point is always and forever union with you. I pray that we would remember that even in the midst of uncertainty, you remain faithful and true. I pray that we would be people who will remind others of the kind listener that you are, that we would be kind listeners ourselves. We thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Emily. God bless you, girl. Thank you, Joanna. Don't you just love Emily? Her gentle spirit and love for Jesus is so beautiful, and it flows from everything she does. I hope you'll check out her new book and the Next Right Thing podcast. It's definitely been a blessing to me. You can find links to Emily's resources, as well as the interview I did with her on Grace for the Good Girl, over in the show notes at joannaweaverbooks.com. And while you're there, don't forget to enter the big giveaway we're hosting during the month of, of April 2018. We're giving away all kinds of Amazon gift cards, as well as the grand prize of a book from each of my 2019 podcast guests. Yes, that is 13 books in all. So you can find directions for entering the contest at my website on Facebook, but I hope you'll also join my private Facebook, The Living Room. It's a great place to discuss and put into practice what you've learned in today's episode. So what's the next right thing God's asking you to do today? Remember, you don't do it alone. If you know Jesus is your Savior, the Holy Spirit is right there, living within you, walking beside you, giving you the wisdom and strength you need to do everything you need to do, both the big things and the little things. But here's the deal, you guys. Nothing is small in God's economy. If we'll just keep our hand in God's hands and do the next right thing in love, He's going to lead us exactly where we need to go. So until next time, Keep living and loving and leading like Jesus. God bless you, my friend.